You are now listening to Mark's Unexplained World by Mark the Medium from Hinkley Community Radio, a non-profit podcast radio station. Tonight's episode is about the Lidomide. Over to you, Mark. In the late 1950s and the early 1960s, the use of the drug called thalidomide was very popular with women who were pregnant or who subsequently became pregnant. It resulted in more than 10,000 children being born with a range of severe deformities as well as thousands of miscarriages. Thalidomide was introduced in 1953 as a tranquilizer and was later marketed by the German pharmaceutical company Chemie Grunenthal under the trade name of Contagen or as a medication that was used for both anxiety and sleeping problems. It was also originally introduced as a sedative and medication for morning sickness, although it was never tested on pregnant women prior to its distribution. It was initially deemed to be safe during pregnancy, but concerns regarding birth defects occurring to pregnant women taking the drug were noted, and in 1961, the contagen medication was withdrawn from the market across Europe that same year. It is now known as the biggest man-made medical disaster in human history. Greetings, unexplainers. Thank you again for tuning in and listening to this 71st episode of Mark's Unexplained World. My name is Mark Hughes. I'm a psychic medium, a ufologist, and an all-round strange guy. In this episode, I'm going to tell you about the tragic story around thalidomide. And this week's necessary disclaimer. This story is a tale that sadly involves child deformities and mother's miscarriages, so may prove upsetting to some. As usual, you listen at your own discretion. And don't forget, all opinions and comments are strictly my own, but the facts of the case still remain. I also apologise if I pronounce anything incorrectly. My English is my first and only language, although you wouldn't think so if you have listened to any of my previous podcasts. Anyway, let's get back to the story. But before we look at the thalidomide scandal itself, let's ask the question of what is thalidomide and how it came about? Well, according to Wikipedia, thalidomide was a medication sold under the brand names of Contagan and Thalamoid. Thalamid, sorry, Thalamid. It was taken as an oral medication that was originally used to treat a number of cancers like multiple myeloma. 
and many skin cancers or skin disorders, including complications arising from leprosy, such as skin lesions. Thalidomide was also used in a number of HIV-associated conditions, but such as such use has been since been associated with increased levels of the HIV virus. Certainly something to worry about, that's for sure. Thalidomide is still being used today as a first-line treatment for multiple myeloma in combination with dexamethasone or with melphalan and prednisone to treat acute episodes of urethema nodosome leprosome, as well as for maintenance therapy. Thalidomide may be helpful in some cases where standard tuberculosis or TB drugs and corticosteroids are not sufficient to resolve severe inflammation in the brain. It is also used as a second-line treatment to manage aphius stomatitis in children and has been prescribed for other conditions in children, including atinic prurigo and epidermolosis pelosa. Common side effects of thalidomide include sleepiness, rash and dizziness. However, Severe side effects include tumour lysis syndrome, blood clots and peripheral neuropathy. Thalidomide was first marketed in 1957 when it was available as an over-the-counter medication in West Germany. When it was first released, thalidomide was promoted for anxiety, sleeping problems, tension and morning sickness. While thalidomide was initially thought to be safe to use during pregnancy, concerns regarding birth defects started to rise, so much so that in 1961 it resulted in its removal from the marketplace throughout Europe. Thalidomide was first developed in 1953 as a tranquilizer by the Swiss pharmaceutical company Ciba. But in 1954, Ciba abandoned the product and it was then acquired by the German pharmaceutical company called Chemi Grunenthal. Grunenthal? Grunenthal. Chemi Grunenthal had been established by Hermann Wirtz Sr., who was a Nazi party member and after World War II became a subsidiary of the family's Mora and Wirtz company. Mora and Wirtz's initial aim was to develop an antibiotic for which there was an urgent market need. Hermann Wirtz Sr. appointed the chemist Heinrich Mukta because of his experience researching and producing an anti-typhus vaccine for Nazi Germany. And on a short but interesting side note here, during the Nazi occupation of Poland, Heinrich Mukta was a deputy director of the Krakow Institute for the Typhus and Virus Research. He and his colleagues repeatedly experimented on Nazi concentration camp prisoners 
in Buchenwald near Weimar in Germany, with many prisoners actually dying as a result of their experiments. In 1946, Heinrich Mukta became the head of the research department at the Gunnenthal Pharmaceutical Company. Mukta was never charged in relation to his role in the experiments on concentration camp prisoners, nor for his role in the thalidomide scandal. He died on the 22nd of May 1987. Heinrich Mukta hired a medical doctor and leading proponent of the Nazi eugenics program, Martin Stormler, as head of pathology, as well as Heinz von Kotter, who was the chief medical officer at the Sushenhausen concentration camp and chemist and Nazi war criminal Otto Ambros. So, all chums together, isn't that nice and cosy? Otto Ambros was the chairman of the Grunenthal's advisory committee during the development of thalidomide and was a board member when the brand name Contagen was being sold. In January 1968, Heinrich Mukta was put on trial along the other Grunenthal employees, but the trial ended abruptly in 1970 when a settlement figure was arrived at. I'll go into more details regarding the Grunenthal criminal trial later on in part three of this podcast. After this first short break, in part two, we will look at more details on the birth defects caused by the thalidomide medication and how it affected different parts of the world. This show is brought to you courtesy of Neil Packer and the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre. Find them online at www.hauntedresearchcentre.com or at 9211 Regent Street, Hinkley, LE101AW. Open on Saturdays from 10am to 4pm for guided tours of the haunted rooms at just £3 per person. Booking is essential at all times and over 16s only please unless accompanied by an adult. The haunted rooms are extremely haunted and paranormal activity could and has taken place at any time. Some areas and particular objects or items can be quite scary and unnerving. Membership is available for £25 to qualify for selective offers. And why not download the app available on both iOS and Android for only £3.99. To keep up to date 
with what is coming up at the centre. people who are affected by the use of thalidomide during pregnancy is estimated to be more than 10,000, with approximately 40% of babies dying at or shortly after the time of birth. The babies that did survive sadly had limb, eye, urinary tract and heart defects. Thalidomide's initial entry into the US market was prevented by Canadian-American pharmacologist and physician, a Ms. Frances Oldham Kelsey, at the U.S. U.S. Food, sorry, at the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, otherwise known as the FDA. She refused to authorize thalidomide for the U.S. market, mainly because she had big concerns about the lack of evidence regarding the drug's safety. For denying the application of thalidomide, Ms. Fr Ms. Frances Oldham Kelsey also eventually received the President's Award for a Distinguished Federal Civilian Service at the 1962 ceremony with President John F. Kennedy. And in September 2010, the FDA honoured Ms. Frances Oldham Kelsey with the first Kelsey Award that was given annually to the to an FDA member of staff. This came 50 years after Ms. Frances Oldham Kelsey, then a new medical officer at the agency, first reviewed the application from the William S. Merrill Pharmaceuticals Company of Cincinnati. I cannot do justice here, in this show, not at all, to the amount of pressure and opposition that Ms. Frances Oldham Kelsey faced in getting this drug approved for the American market. My hat goes off to you, Ms. Kelsey. The severity and location of the deformities depended very much on how many days into the pregnancy the mother was before beginning treatment. It was discovered that thalidomide taken on the 20th day of pregnancy caused central brain damage. And on the 21st day, it would damage the eyes. And on the 22nd day, it would damage the ears and face. The 24th day, the arms would be affected and leg damage would occur if thalidomide was taken up to the 28th day of pregnancy. However, thalidomide did not damage the fetus if taken after 42 days of gestation. The exact number of worldwide victims of thalidomide embryopathy, sorry, that one again, sorry, thalidomide embryopathy is not known, but it has been estimated to range from 10,000 to 20,000 victims. As I mentioned earlier, the US FDA, or the Food and Drug Administration, refused approval to market thalidomide with pharmacologist Francis Oldham Kelsey saying that further studies of the drug were needed. 
This reduced the overall impact of the thalidomide drug in US patients. And although thalidomide was not approved for sale in the United States at the time, over 2.5 million tablets had been distributed to over 1,000 physicians during a clinical testing program. And because of this distribution, it was estimated that nearly 20,000 patients, several hundred of whom were pregnant women, were given the drug to help alleviate morning sickness or used as a sedative. This led to at least 17 children who were consequently born in the United States with thalidomide-associated deformities. One tragic story that came out of all this. In 1961, while she was pregnant, Sherry Finkbein, who was the children's television host of Romper Room in the 1960s, took the drug thalidomide that her husband had bought from over the counter in Europe. When she learned that thalidomide was causing fetal deformities, she decided that she wanted to abort the pregnancy. However, the laws in Arizona at that time only allowed abortions to be carried out if the mother's life was in danger. So Sherry Finkbein decided to travel to Sweden to have the baby aborted, where she found out that the thalidomide she had taken had already deformed the fetus. A cardiologist named Helen B. Torsig also learned of the damaging effects of the drug thalidomide on newborn babies and in 1967, after a trip she took to Germany where she worked with infants who had suffered with pocomelia, she testified before Congress on this matter and as a result of her efforts, the thalidomide drug was then banned from the United States and Europe. On an interesting side note, phocomelia is a congenital condition at birth that involves malformations of human arms and legs, which result in a flipper-like appendage. A prominent cause of phocomelia is the mother's use of the drug thalidomide during her pregnancy. However, the causes of most cases are yet still to be determined. Occurrences in an individual can result in various abnormalities to the face, limbs, ears, nose, vessels and many other underdevelopments within the body. Although operations may be able to improve some abnormalities, abnormalities sorry, many are not surgically treatable due to the lack of nerves and other related structures. Phocomelia is an extremely rare congenital disorder. In the UK, thalidomide was licensed in 1958 and then withdrawn in 1961, just three years. Out of approximately 2,000 babies born in the United Kingdom with abnormalities due to the thalidomide drug, around half of them died within a few months and only 466 survived to at least 2010. 
after a long campaign by the Sunday Times that had started back in 1968, a compensation settlement for the UK victims of thalidomide was reached with the leading Scottish drinks and pharmaceutical company, Distillers Biochemicals, who are now part of the Diego PLC, which had established the drug within the UK. Distillers Biochemicals paid out approximately £28 million in compensation following a legal battle. Also, a British Thalidomide Children's Trust was set up in 1973 as part of a £20 million legal settlement between the Distillers Biochemicals Company and 429 children with thalidomide-related disabilities. And in 1997, Diego PLC made a long-term financial commitment to support the Thalidomide Trust and its beneficiaries. And in December 2009, the UK government gave thalidomide survivors a grant of £20 million to be distributed through the Thalidomide Trust. Despite its several side effects in Canada, thalidomide was still being sold in pharmacies right up until 1962. The effects of thalidomide had increased fears among the general public in Canada regarding the safety of other pharmaceutical drugs. After the effects of thalidomide were made public, the Society of Toxicology of Canada was formed, focusing on toxicology as a discipline separate from pharmacology. On a side note, according to their website, the Society of Toxicology of Canada, Inc. is a non-profit association whose objectives are to promote the acquisition, facilitate the dissemination, dissemination sorry, and encourage the utilisation of knowledge in the science of toxicology. The STC supports continuing education and excellence in research through its annual symposium which provides a venue for members and international experts to present the latest advances in experimental and regulatory toxicology. The Society recognises the, the universality of science and adheres to principles which affirm membership and free circulation of bona fide scientists in a non-discriminatory fashion. In other words, the Society of Toxicology of Canada is responsible for the Conservation Environment Protection Act, focusing on research in the impact to human health of various chemical substances. In Canada, according to a Canadian news magazine programme, W5, most but not all victims of the thalidomide drug received an annual benefits as compensation from the Government of Canada. The victims that were excluded are those who cannot provide any evidence or documentation that the Government requires. A group of 120 Canadian survivors formed the Thalidomide Victims Association of Canada, the goal of which is to prevent the approval of drugs that could be harmful to pregnant women and babies. 
the members from the Thalidomide Victims Association were involved in the system for thalidomide education and prescribing safety, or the STEPS program for short, aimed to prevent teratogenicity, sorry if I've got that wrong, or an agent or factor which causes a malformation of an embryo. In Spain, the thalidomide drug was widely available throughout the 1970s and perhaps even into the 1980s. There were two main reasons for this. The first reason is that the Spanish state's controls and safeguarding were very poor at the time, so much so that it wasn't until 2008 that the Spanish government even admitted that the country had ever imported thalidomide. And secondly, because of the aforementioned German pharmaceutical company, Chemie Grunenthal, failed to insist that its sister company in Madrid warned Spanish doctors of the probable birth defects. As of 2015, the Spanish advocacy group for victims of thalidomide estimated that there were around 250 to 300 living victims of the drug in Spain. Meanwhile, over in Austria, a member of the Austrian Pharmaceutical Admission Conference, a Mr. Ingeborg Eichler, enforced restrictions on the sale of thalidomide under the rules of prescription medication, and as a result, there were relatively few affected children born in Austria and Switzerland. After this second short break, in part three, we will look at the aftermath of the thalidomide scandal and the trial of the German pharmaceutical company, Kemi Grunenthal. Fright Nights was established in 1999 as the first company in the world to offer overnight ghost hunt experiences to the general public, pioneering paranormal events since the last century. Fright Nights operate at hundreds of the UK's most haunted and exclusive venues. All events have their own team of experienced paranormal investigators, mediums and psychics. They have a VIP members club for regular returning guests, offering loyalty discounts and exclusive invitation-only events. They can also host private events for your family and friends. You can contact them on 07 852 998 628 or email them at office at frightnights.co.uk or take a look at their website at www.frightnights.co.uk where you can see the many locations they investigate and learn about them and the opportunities they have available. Hundreds of ghost hunters join Fright Nights every month for the most thrilling ghost hunting experiences they'll never forget. If you haven't been on a ghost hunt before, 
then why not join them to see what it's all about? Why not visit their social media sites for up-to-date information on all the places they visit and to see what's coming up in the future? They look forward to seeing you all soon. Fright Nights Ghost Hunting Events. Remember, only the original will do. The numerous reports of malformations in babies through the use of the drug thalidomide brought about the awareness of its side effects on pregnant women. The birth defects caused by the drug can range from moderate to the more severe forms of malformations. The possible de birth defects included phocomelia, dysmelia, amelia, bone hypoplasticity and other congenital defects affecting the ear, the heart or other internal organs. Unfortunately, major human fetal abnormalities included skeletal deformities. Just a single dose of the thalidomide drug, regardless of dosage, was enough to cause teratogenic effects, both with amelia and phocomelia. And on yet another interesting side note, in medical terms, amelia means the absence of legs and or arms, and phocomelia is the absence of bones or malformation of the limbs. With teratogenic being an agent or factor which causes the malformation of an embryo. In 1963, both scientists and chemists took note at how the thalidomide drug had affected newborn babies. First by looking at the severity of the deformities and then reviewing the drug in its early years. They also looked into the history of the drug and the different forms of birth defects that had caused, it had caused throughout the years. The report concluded, and I quote, The most common form of birth defects from thalidomide is shortened limbs, with the arms being more frequently affected. This syndrome is the presence of deformities of the long bones of the limbs, resulting in both shortening and other abnormalities. The birth defects of the thalidomide drug led pharmacists to the greater development of drug regulation and monitoring in many countries because, well, duh. The total number of infants affected worldwide by the use of thalidomide during the pregnancy is estimated to be around 10,000 people, with 40% unfortunately dying at around the time of their birth. Those children who did survive had limb, eye, urinary tract and heart problems. As you've probably gathered by now, thalidomide is also known as a human teratogen and carries an extremely high risk of severe, life-threatening birth defects if administered during pregnancy. 
It was eventually approved in the United States in 1998, mainly for the use as a treatment for cancer. And so it is on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. Also, it is available as a generic medication. In 1968, a large criminal trial began in West Germany, charging several of the Grunenthal officials from the Grunenthal Pharmaceutical Company with negligent, negligent homicide and injury. After the Grunenthal Pharmaceutical Company settled with the victims in the April of 1970, the trial finally ended in late December of that same year with no findings of guilt. However, as part of the settlement, Grunenthal Pharmaceuticals paid 100 million Deutschmarks. That's about 1,145,400 euros into a special foundation and the West German government added another 320 million Deutschmarks which is the equivalent to around 366,560,000 euros. The foundation paid the thalidomide victims a one-time sum of between 2,500 to 25,000 Deutsche Marks, depending on the severity of their disability and an ongoing monthly payment of between 100 to 450 Deutsche Marks, again, depending on the severity of the disability. The monthly payments have since been raised substantially and are now paid entirely by the government, mainly due to the foundation itself running out of money. In 2008, Grunenthal Pharmaceuticals paid another 15 million euros into the foundation. On the 31st of August 2012, the Grunenthal Chief Executive, Harold F. Stock, who served as the Chief Executive Officer of Grunenthal GmbH from January 2009 to the 20th of May 2013, apologised for the first time for producing the thalidomide drug and for remaining silent about the birth defects for all these years. At a ceremony, Harold F. Stock unveiled a statue of a disabled child to symbolise those harmed by thalidomide and apologised for not trying to reach out to victims for over 50 years. At the time of the apology, there were still between 5,000 and 6,000 people living with the thalidomide-related birth defects. Victim, sorry, victim advocates called the apology insulting and too little too late and criticised Grunenthal's GmbH for not compensating the victims and for making the claim that no one could have known what harm the drug would cause arguing that there were plenty of warnings and red flags at the time.
The precise mechanism of action for thalidomide is not known. Although efforts to identify thalidomide's teratogenic action generated more than 2,000 research papers and the proposal of at least 15 or 16 plausible mechanisms by the year 2000. As of 2015, the main theories were inhibition of the process of angiogenesis, angiogenesis, I think that's right, I hope that's right, and its inhibition of the protein cerebellum, I can say that one, and its ability to generate reactive oxygen species, which in turn kills cells. Just a quick side note here, angiogenesis is the psychological process, no physiological process, through which new blood vessels are formed from pre-existing blood vessels, which were formed earlier in the stage of the body's blood vessel formation. I hope that makes sense to you. In 2018, results were first published which suggested that thalidomide's teratogenic effects are mediated through degradation of the transcription factor SAL4, which is an as yet unverified finding. Just so you know, SAL4 is a critical factor for self-renewed ability and the ability to produce several distinct biological responses of stem cells. I think it goes without saying that the need for testing and approval of toxins in certain pharmaceutical drugs became more important than ever after the thalidomide disaster. Thalidomide brought on changes in the way drugs were tested, what type of drugs are used during pregnancy and increased the awareness of potential side effects. And on a personal note here, I was born in the mid-1960s, so I was a potential victim to this terrible medical disaster. However, I do remember my late mother telling me that when she was pregnant with my good self, she suffered terrible morning sickness. And as a result of this, her GP at the time did recommend that she take the thalidomide drug. But thankfully, through her well-known caring and stubbornness, and having already heard the rumours of the birth defects, she turned it down flat. Thank you, Mum. OK, I'm going to be blunt here. Thalidomide wasn't just the biggest man-made disaster in human history. It was a total, huge, mammoth, monstrous, humongous, mountainous, super-colossal, beyond-biblical fuck-up. There. I said it. Thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this episode of Mark's Unexplained World. In our next episode, show 72, we are going to be looking at Unit 731. Unit 731 was a covert biological and chemical warfare research and development unit of the Imperial Japanese Army, 
that engaged in both lethal human experimentation and biological weapons manufacturing during the Second Sino-Japanese War and World War II. It killed an estimated 200 to 300,000 people. The unit was responsible for some of the most notorious war crimes committed by the Japanese armed forces. It routinely conducted tests on people who were completely dehumanized and internally referred to as logs. Experiments included disease injections, controlled dehydration, biological weapons testing, hyperbaric pressure chamber testing, vivisection, organ harvesting, amputation, and standard weapons testing. While Unit 731 researchers were arrested by Soviet forces and tried at the December 1949 Chabarovs war crimes trials, those captured by the United States were secretly given immunity in exchange for the data that was gathered during their human experiments. This show was written and researched by myself, Mark Hughes, and proofread and edited by Linda Hughes. The actors in this episode were Mark Hughes, Linda Hughes and Denise Pooler. With special thanks to Neil Packer and the staff at the Haunted Antiques Paranormal Research Centre in Hinckley. And a big thanks to everyone for listening. Mark's unexplained world, because there's more to the paranormal than meets the third eye. And remember guys, keep it real, because being real is better than being perfect. This show and all its contents are covered by basic copyright of Mark the Medium.